This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right. Good morning. Good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, and we've got our great guest today, Ted Yoho, waiting on the dock of the bay again. Uh, I don't know if he's going to break out in an Otis Redding song or what, but uh, I imagine he can handle it. Uh, we are in the Mellon Law Studio. Great supporter of the show. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators and a full-service legal firm and protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention with Randy Elrad and John Pastore and sponsored by so many of the great sponsors you see coming past your screen as we speak. So uh, we are always... Um, all ears and everything on Wednesdays when we get Ted. Um, because Ted and I both believe there's a lot hanging in a balance, believe it or not, in what we talk about with you. And uh, today we sort of talked a little bit before we went on the show about some blatant blind spots, it seems to us in government, if I may so say it that way, Ted. Um, just to summarize what we've been talking about, we've got the Biden world chasing the Trump world and not so much Trump, but the Republican party, that may be an overstatement, chasing the Biden crime family. Right. And meanwhile, Rome burns, if you will. Right. So many things are going unattended that are tremendously important. And I think the Bidens in many cases know it. Uh, they're taking this opportunity to sneak things by the public eye, such as immigration. Uh, we've got reports, and I'll ask Ted to talk about this, of Biden actually flying people in that gov- Biden's government rather than bothering to try to swim them across the river. Maybe that's something that's also nobody knows about. Press doesn't cover. But meanwhile, we've got quite a list of things that are happening that are not being dealt with. Good morning, Ted. You're looking good. You're you're in the shade there, but um, I see you got a steak machine behind you and living a great life. Uh, that's right. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, everything that's going on, well, you, you mentioned Rome is burning. I mean, if you look at our country, compared to back 15, 20 years ago, we didn't have the social issues that we have today, and they keep creating new ones. You know, the whole thing with transgenders and transgender sports, and I really don't want to go down this, is you have male and female, male sports, female sports. And if you're in that other group, start your own group instead of trying to take away from these other groups the purity of what they stand for. Um, And so we spend so much time on that. The Biden crime family, and you and I have talked about the the congressional calendar. You know, you have a two-year window to get your work done and to bring stuff to completion. So here we are uh, in this new Congress. I think it's the, I I don't know what Congress it is. I think it's the 118th or 19th. 
um, we're almost a full year into it. All right. And so the congressional calendar is this. That first year, you want to get as many of your priorities done as you can before September, because come September, it's all about the omnibus and the end of the year spending. And it should be a clean spending bill, but it turns into the omnibus because that brings in everything. It's a, it's a Brunswick stew. It's your mother's stew from all the leftovers. And, uh, and so they're going to fight from September to December to fund the government. And you're going to hear all the fights on there. Uh, and, and then when they come back after the uh, Christmas holiday break, they go into campaign mode. There'll be a little bit of work done, but these committees, what you'll see is they start going um, not as hardcore going after stuff. And a perfect example is the January 6th committee. All that fanfare, all that uh, advertising, all the hullabaloo about that, what's come out of that? Nothing. And that's what I fear that the Democrats or the Republicans are going to do. They're going to spend all this time. And granted, there is stuff about the, the Bidens that need to be looked into uh, just on face value. I can't believe that guy's walking around free. Him and his son. And, of course, Hunter is supposed to uh, 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 testify today and uh, admit to tax evasion, which if that was a normal citizen, they would probably be arrested and put in jail. Uh, but daddy will stroke a check or he'll buy uh, Hunter will stroke a check out of the illegal gains he's gotten from selling his um, dad's name around. But then you look at, so that's, that's the circus. That's the stuff that's going around. But then, as you said, Rome is burning. Look at our debt. When I went in, it was $13 trillion. We're at $34 trillion. Just servicing the interest alone on that is as much as we're spending on our military which is the highest we've ever spent. I think we're up over $800, $880 billion on military, which is over half of what we spend on discretionary income. That's for running all the government, all the programs. Um, and so we're not paying attention to that. Debt is number one uh, threat to this country. If we go broke, there is no national security. We can't defend ourselves. Number two is China. Uh, I'm happy to say that we've met with the China task force uh, last two times I was up there and they have some good things done and some good legislation. But I was talking to one of the chairmen. They said, yeah, it's good stuff, but it'll never come to fruition. And I'm like, why? If you're spending this time to do this, and you, you've identified problems, let's fix the problems. And then you look at our border. You know, our border is a disaster. And uh, nobody, I mean, where are the injunctions? Where's the lawsuit stopping this. And of course, uh, Governor Abbott in um, uh, Texas has put up those river blocks, those big rock bowl, um, balls in the river. And the, the Biden administration wants to sue him uh, for blocking river flow and, you know, inflaming the relationship between the United States and Mexico. And I think those are the things that really need to be done. I mean, if the federal government won't act to secure the borders, the governors have the right and uh, they need to go after it. And when we have a government that is so divided, the, the socialist, Marxist, Biden administration, uh, and all the Demo any Democrat that supports that is a Marxist, understand that. And a Marxist would be an enemy of the United States of America as a constitutional free republic. And um, these are the things that they're not paying attention to. I listened to a hearing this morning, and Kat was on there, and she did a good job. 
what it's on transgender surgery and those what? kind of things. What? It, oh. It's important. It's an important issue. But I want I want the fire hoses out, putting out the fires. I want to know what we're doing to change the election laws that Nancy Pelosi did twice in my, the last Congress I was in and the Congress after that, that allowed the federal government to interfere with state voting laws. Why are we not changing that? Because that's going to have a significant impact on the next election. But yet we're not doing anything that I see from a federal standpoint to unroll the garbage that they did. And people, again, you and I have talked about this a lot, that we focus on the idiocy of Biden, but understand it's not Biden. It's the people that allowed him to get into office that allowed Obama to get into office, and it's the Obamanization of our country. It's the fundamental transformation of America, and it's been going on since 2009. And this is where it's coming to fruition. And um, those are the things that the Republican Party and anybody that loves this country, and there are some good Democrats in there, they should be hell-bent on turning this around so that we stay even-keeled on a straight course of preserving um, the, the founding principles and our core values and the constitution of this country that has created what we have in the world, um, you know, around the world, our the good fortune we've created, the, the goodwill we've created, the peace dividend after World War II, that's all in jeopardy right now. And um, you've got these people that are hell-bent on destroying America. They want to rebuild it in the eyes of Karl Marx. Why in the hell we're allowing that to happen? And Congress is having hearings on transgenders, on UFOs, on um, the PGA and the, the Saudi Arabia Gulf debacle. Who cares? You know, um, and again, you've heard the analogy. It's like rearranging the, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic as it's sinking. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I tell you what, I jotted down the topics and uh, just to summarize what you said. So we all on the same page, the debt, China, the border, election laws and the Obamization of America. One other thing that might be, I might add to it, is foreign policy, as it uh, specifically, I guess we could fine-tune it, relates to NATO and Iran. Um, I'm not even putting Ukraine in there, because Ukraine is under the NATO topic. And Iran, I'm still dumbfounded, and speak to this if you can, about the jet that arrives in the middle of the night when Obama was president with all the cash money. Do you recall that incident? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can't see yeah. it, but I can hear you. Oh, I, I, I blocked that off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I recall that well. I was on the Foreign Affairs Committee. and Talk and to me about that, asking, because I've never really well, talked to you about that. Well, you're absolutely right on foreign policy. My opinion is foreign policy, foreign affairs committee is the most important committee in Congress. It's one. It's probably the oldest one, if not the second oldest one. And it's if you have strong foreign policy, you have good economics in your country because that leads to strong trade policies. Strong, strong trade policies in in uh, domestic um, um, uh, domestic economic policies 
lead to strong national security. That's the thing that we've had for since World War II. And, you know, so you get to where we are now. And you remember when the Iranian um, conflict started. It started in 1974 when they overthrew the Shah and they put the Ayatollahs in there. Um, they've been death to America ever since. And they've gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And so there were all these sanctions put on Iran. Well, Obama wanted to play nice. And keep in mind who he is. All you have to do is read his book, and he tells you he is a Muslim. And he would have to stand with his Muslim brothers if there was a conflict. I mean, he says that boldly in that book. Um, And so Iran, Obama wanted to appease Iran to get the JCPOA, which is a joint comprehensive agreement um, on um, nuclear weapons um, proliferation act. And so in order to do that, Iran started bargaining, said, well, you've got all our money tied up. You know, and this is money on uh, sales of oil that were uh, sanctioned. And there were there was a weapons deal back in the I think it was the 80s that Iran had paid part of the money. And then we blocked it because of the sanctions, because they were designated as a terrorist state and uh, the Quds forces were. And so that money has been held up. So Obama said, well, it's really their money and we've got these sanctions and we want to get this deal done. So they didn't ask congressional approval. They flew in there at night, plane loaded with, I think it was billions of dollars of cash. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had hearings on that and John Kerry's up there justifying it. And um, um, it was a terrible thing that happened Um, because when you do that and you start appeasing the people, the very people that are threatening to kill you. And it's not just killing us. They want to annihilate America. When you start appeasing those, it's like giving a shark more teeth, thinking he won't bite you. Well, Obama heard that as a sermon at church in Chicago. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the only time I ever heard the Lord's name taken in vain in a church. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Reverend Ryan. By the preacher. By the preacher. God bless him. Yeah. yeah. By the preacher. And, um, <clears throat> this, this business of um, Muslim Brotherhood, golly, I just thought of this, and I didn't uh, know to connect with you back then. I'm sure it was while you were there. Um, I, I've never told this story to you. I've told it some other. I don't think I've told it. I got a call one day from somebody who was uh, um, um, did work for a, uh, a religious, uh, well, you'll know which one it is, uh, camp there in Putnam County. Um and had seen the darnest thing and couldn't explain it. He says, we've got a call of prayer here. Uh, we've got a phase three electricity here. Uh, we've got a big uh, washer, dryer, cleaner deal here. And we've got a big uh, mosque. And um, he says, in the middle of the night, coming down 301, are buses filled with males from the Middle East. And they are unloaded at this Camp, you don't know which one it is, right there. And um, the next day, after they go through changing into Western clothes and the clothes are sent through the laundry, there are all these cars. You lost your face, but I got your voice. There are all these cars that assemble to take these people where nobody seems to know. Nobody have any answers. Um, I'm assuming you're still there, Ted. Yeah, I am. All right. Well, I contacted. Everybody I could think of, Ted, I contacted Homeland Security. 
I had some connections there. Nobody knew anything about it. And they said they couldn't go on this religious camp with search warrants because religious places have certain immunities. Sure. So I thought that was ingenious of Obama to do this. They were all males. They were all Middle Eastern, all Muslim, and they were distributed throughout America. And he said it looked like the, the Gator game and let out. You know? Right. So this whole thing of violating our immigration policies is what I'm really going to here as a topic. It's been going on forever. It's under the Obamanization of America. And where they go? Here they go. Where'd they go, Ted? They went to Minneapolis, a lot of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And what you know, did I you have a hearing on that? I had a hearing on that. We had it was a, a, a Islamic youth group. <clears throat> and the leader of that was, and I think I might have shared this on your show. I asked him real quickly. I says, you know, you're from Somalia. You come to America um, and, and you wind up in Minneapolis. Why is that? Oh, jobs and education. I said, I was born there. It is cold, unlike Somalia. And um, and he goes, well, it was for jobs and education. I says, okay. So I played along with that. And I said, how many people, how many of the males and females are graduating from high school? Because it's for education, right? He goes, uh, a little over 50% of the females were graduating and less for the males. So I'm thinking, well, it's, you didn't really go there for education. How many people are working? Because they came for education and jobs. Um, less than 40%, I think, or 40% were, were working male. Females were higher working. And um, and I'm thinking, well, this doesn't fit in, you know, from why you came to America. Um, and I said, are you following U.S. constitutional law or Sharia? He goes, we're trying to follow U.S. constitutional law, but yes, we follow Sharia. All right. If anybody has read the Quran or you've read about Sharia law, they're diametrically opposed to U.S. constitutional law. They cannot coexist. And these people that drive around with coexist bumper stickers, they're not living in reality. Those two things cannot coexist. Now, we can tolerate, but the Sharia law would have to become subservient to U.S. Um, constitutional law. And this is where you get into the argument of religious freedom. In the, in the, um, the Quran and the teachings of uh, Islam, Sharia law is from Muhammad, and so that's part of the religion. So if you go against that, you're anti-Islam. <clears throat> If you're going to coexist in a country like America and you come here as a guest <clears throat> or a refugee, you come in and like most other ethnicities in the past, excuse me, <clears throat> most other ethnicities in the past, the majority of them, they have assimilated as proud German Americans, Italian Americans, Latino Americans, and the list goes on. And, and so they have assimilated and become Americans. The Islamic people that do not assimilate are building a subculture within America. And this is very well described in Samuel Huntington's book, The Clash of Civilizations. It's a great book, and it's exactly what's going on in America. You know, like you said, they all came here. They were in, in Putnam County, and a lot of them gravitated to Detroit, Michigan, or Dearborn, Michigan, Detroit, uh, Minneapolis, Arizona, Tennessee's got a big contingency. And I don't think anybody in America has a problem with people immigrating. 
but don't come into my country and tell me how bad it is and then try to change it like the squad and AOC. And they're trying to change it along with Obama. And he's the ringleader. And people have to keep that in perspective. It is Barack Obama and the group that brought him in that started the fundamental transformation. And I coined it an Obamanization of our nation um, because he is changing it in the eyes of what you see today. And uh, that's why you're having so much problem in the military. There was, I think there was 800 majors in the military that he advanced. They jumped rank over other people because they fell into the category they were looking for. People that were going to be more anti-American, people that were going to be more That's frozen up for a moment here. We'll see if that can is he go okay? Is Ted coming? Yeah, I'm fine. Listen, we're trying to get uh, Ted unfrozen here. I don't even know if he knows he's frozen. We're talking with Ted Yoho. He's sitting by his uh, place here at the river. And uh, um, I don't know if you can communicate with him while I'm talking. Um, okay. We can't get him unfrozen here. I mean, we'll take a break early. Um, thank you, listeners and viewers, for hanging with us. Uh, we got Ted with us, but he has frozen up. Uh, I think he's going to try to reboot. I think it's what's happening. Anyway, let me summarize where we are. We're talking about issues that are going unattended. While this um, Biden is chasing Trump and Trump is chasing Biden, if you will, or Republicans. And um, meanwhile, the debt goes unattended. It's bigger. China's behavior, Taiwan, vis-a-vis all that really gets bigger. The border issues, which we're talking about here, and the in-game of the border issues tend to uh, get bigger. Election laws, this is a really serious one, too, have changed. Basically, the way they've changed, as I understand it, is um, we're going to give uh, more and more time or absentee voting and mail-in ballots. And we know the problem with that. We know it's very difficult to account for that. We know that the Democrats are financed with that by Zuckerbucks and um, Soros and all these people. And they make a hay out of that in terms of the election. Um, this is where the fine language exists with uh, Election B, from the point of view of the election laws, I uh, uh, see his, his iPad was in the sun and overheated. So we'll talk a little while while it cools down. And Zach, can you communicate with him? Tell him we're going to get with him after our bottom of the hour break, which I'll take a couple of minutes early and uh, give his iPad time to cool down. Um, if you would, please, sir. And... Uh, the uh, the the election laws technically i suppose you could argue are quote unquote legal that's why election b is considered to be off limits as a narrative well there was no law against absentee ballots and there was no law against this is the real clincher supplementing 
public political elections with private political money, which Zuckerbucks is a great example of. That is a tremendous example of it. Legal. Now, as far as I can know, as far as I know, that's not been changed. In fact, when we get Ted back from his iPad heating up in the sun there by the dock of the bay, um, we'll we'll talk about that perhaps. Uh, election laws have become l- less manageable in terms of accountability since the last election, which was not very manageable uh, according to accountability. And um, there you are. We we uh, we're in that area of obscurity right now that no one is addressing. And if they do get close to it, somebody like Pelosi comes on, does a television interview, and chews everybody out for daring to question it, daring to ask about it. So um, that's where we are. We're going to Ted back in a little bit. We're sure we'll let his iPad cool down and uh, continue our discussion. We'll take a break just a little bit early. It's 925. I will take it now and come back around uh, 930 with you. Maybe we'll elongate our break just a little bit. The production can do that and see if we can get Ted back. Right back on the Ward Scott Files with Ward's weather in a few minutes. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. 
He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! This is Head Ball Coach Steve Spurrier, and I'm here with my wife, Jerry, and our good friend, Sherry Houston, the executive director of the Ronald McDonald House Charities of North Central Florida. We're thrilled to announce that the two-year anniversary of our restaurant, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, is coming up on August 14th. Last year, we had so much fun celebrating with everybody that we're doing it bigger and better this year. We're hosting a special dinner and celebration that will include a chef's choice of premium buffet or your favorite Spurrier Gridiron Grill menu, including a filet mignon carving station, shrimp and grits, short rib risotto, wonderful seafood options, and many dessert options also. Like my famous chocolate chip cookie. Proceeds being donated to the local Ronald McDonald House. Thrilled to once again partner with Coach Jerry and the Spurrier Gridiron team to raise funds for the Ronald McDonald House, benefiting families and children experiencing medical emergencies. Spurrier's Gridiron Grill will be donating 11% of all of our money from food and 66% of drink sales to the Ronald McDonald House. Go to Spurrier's.com right now and reserve a ticket before they sell out. We'll have wonderful food, special guests, and a limited edition of the second year anniversary collector's coins, as well as prizes, like a dinner with me and Jerry. We couldn't have become one of the busiest and most successful restaurants in the Southeast without your support. So we want to celebrate with the most important people of our team, and that's you. I want to celebrate with some of those cookies. Do you have any of those? Sure do. Right here for you. Oh, thank you. All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather Report, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Chevron Station's great supporter of the show. Fill up at Chevron. Well, we are 73 degrees here by uh, this thermometer at the Manly Warthog Man Cave. 93 it will go up to today. And uh, we'll probably be dodging some rain and getting some rain, depending upon, you know, the cloud drifting. What we really got is an interesting dilemma I'm going to ask Ted about it in a moment because he loves the Keys, where the water in the Keys right now is hotter than it is in the hot tubs. Um, this is probably not the best of all worlds. And um, we want to talk about that with Ted sitting by the dock of the bay here by the river and is on his way soon, I think, if he hasn't already been there, to the Keys. And uh, we'll ask him about this in a moment. Um, that's Ward's weather for today. It, of course, is... Hotter and blazes. But the other thing, according to what the Wall Street Journal reported today, the grid uh, service of the United States has held up in the really hot southern states of Texas, Arizona, all that. We have done that because of a multiple of sources for energy. No one source of energy. So keep that in mind. We're going to need all sources of energy. Ted, what do you think about that hot water there, there in uh, the Keys? It is hot. You know, I've had people, good people you know, that have been down there 
<clears throat> and they said there's places that are 100, 100, little over 100 degrees, and it's it, they're record breaking. You can't deny what's going on. Um, and I think it's a trend that's going to be here for a while, it looks like. I'm going to go down there. I'm leaving Saturday, and I'll be there two weeks. So I'll give you a report uh, for the next two Wednesdays um, from the Keys and let you know what it is like. Uh, you know, they're talking about bleaching the corals and things like that. And, you know, if, if they're really serious about CO2 and cars, um, they should go in and just say, nope, you, you drive every other day. You can't drive, you know, and change the whole mechanism of how society works, which, which would be very disruptive. Uh, people would be angry about it. But if, if you're serious, it's man-made, um, then do serious reforms on that. And that's something I really don't want to do because I think, the question's not answered. What's the cause of this? Uh, I was reading an article today, and they were thinking that the sea levels rose over 100,000 years ago, to, you know, way up beyond where they are. But then this latest article said they think as short as 6,000 years ago, the sea levels were way high. And there's documentation on the St. John's River right behind me. It was 500 feet further inland 5,000 years ago. And so, um, you know, the weather has changed and there wasn't a lot of cars 5,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago. So there's something going on. You know, there's a there's a good article, scientific peer reviewed about the water being pumped out of the, the lower aquifers around the world. And when we talked about this last week, the water coming out of Arizona, of course, that's coming out of the Arizona River being shipped to Saudi Arabia. You know, so you're changing the weight distribution of the work of the earth and they said that the axis has rotated 15 inches um over the course of the last however long they've been keeping records so there's a lot of things that come into play and i just think the way they're going with ev is wrong um i I think i'm with you i'll take energy wherever i can get it as long as it's reliable dependable and when you get into manufacturing you've got to have it low cost and reliable and the fossil fuels are the best way right now actually the best way is nuclear, uh, the small modular reactors uh, that I think you're going to see come back. Are you there or did I lose yes, you? Yes, uh, Plantation Mark says, and he's the master chief with 30 years in the United States Navy, Persian Gulf water temperature in 1994 was 102. Where was it? In the Gulf of Mexico? Persian Gulf. Oh, the Persian Gulf. Okay. 102. Well, and we talked about this last week about the, the air temperature. They're saying it's record hot everywhere. But if you go to the Farmer's Almanac or any of the almanacs and do a, a search for a specific area where it's a high, you'll see it's been high before. And so look at the trend. Don't look at the daily stock report. Great, great commentary. Let's go back to mid-sentence, if you can recall, with your photographic memory, uh, <laughs> where you were. Uh, and, and and then I've got a couple of prompts to get you going after that, that I talked about while you're uh, uh, rebooting. We were talking about the Obamanization of America. And this is something that, you know, Obama came in with fundamentally transforming America. Where we're at today is an extension of what he did and the people that brought him in to office. Um, and so what you see today is really, in their game plan. And this is not something that just happened. The wokeism isn't something that just happened. 
you know, Obama advanced over 800 majors and they jumped rank because they fell in line with where we are today, the wokeism and all that. And so this is something that just didn't happen under Biden. This is something that's been very well orchestrated. And so anybody that supports that agenda and they say, well, I'm a Democrat and I'm going to support that. Well, no, you're not. You're a Marxist and you're supporting this. And those things are an antithetical to America, to a constitutional free, a free constitutional republic. Um, were we talking about the uh, the Muslims up in Minnesota? Did yeah, I we're get talking all that? about the Muslims being deposited, if you will, in right. Minnesota, which seemed to be antithetical once again to their it is a custom society. I think that's probably where I got cut off. Probably so, and that's where we really get the birth of the squad uh, with Talib. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, if, if you'll go, if people will study where the squad came from, you'll see the communist organizations behind them, uh, behind AOC and those other people, um, uh, Rashid Tlaib. And I was having that hearing with, and tell me if this got recorded so I don't repeat this, but we had a, a Muslim, an Islamic youth group from Minneapolis come in. And, uh, you know, I was born in Minnesota, and I know there's a reason I live in Florida. It's damn cold up there. And so when this Islamic youth group was there, I asked them, I said, why did you come to Minnesota Um, from Somalia? It's the temperatures aren't the same. And he goes for education and work. And, you know, I went through and asked them how many males are graduating from high school, how many females, how many males are working, how many females. And the numbers didn't justify the results of what they were getting didn't justify them going to Minnesota. Uh, it was less than half the people, half the males graduated, a little bit more than half of the females graduated. They did, they outperformed the males. And on the work side, same way, there's 40% um, unemployment in the youth, uh, Islamic youth. And so it doesn't fit. We came over for jobs and education. If they did, they're not taking advantage of it. Then I asked them um, the, the, the tough question, are you assimilating and becoming an American or and living by American constitutional law, or are you following Islamic law? And he said, we're trying to live by American constitutional law, but yes, we do practice Sharia. Sharia law cannot coexist with U.S. constitutional law. They're, they're the opposite. They, don't, they can't support each other. The people with the coexist bumper stickers, you know, give me a break. It's not reality. They cannot coexist. If you're an a ardent follower of Islam, you have to follow Sharia law. Now, if you come to this country as a guest or a refugee and you want to be in America, do the right thing. Assimilate, become an American, practice your religion, but you can't, you can't change our laws unless you do it constitutionally. Get elected. You know, bring up a constitutional amendment that will change these things over time, um, but you can't coexist with Sharia law and U.S. constitutional law, they don't, they don't work together. And um, again, Samuel Huntington in his book, uh, The Clash of Civilization, describes this. And we're seeing what's happened with that group that came to Florida that is now dispersed around the country. You've got no-go zones in Dearborn, Michigan that are all Islamic in nature. You have the same in Minneapolis. You have it in Arizona. You have places in Tennessee. And we're seeing more mosques grow in the South all over the nation. If you believe in our Constitution, freedom of religion, you have to respect somebody else's religion. But when that religion starts to interfere with 
who we are as Americans and American laws, that's where you get a conflict. And that's something that it, it just can't be tolerated, again, until they elect enough Muslims that bring up constitutional amendments and they have to have two-thirds to get it um, approved by the Constitution. And, you know, if you believe in our system, you're going to have to accept that. Um, it's not something I want to see, but, you know, I believe in our system enough to I'll go along with it. Well, I think I related to you that I had a Muslim friend who said, uh, uh, we plan on taking over the country from your country from inside the country uh, using your own uh, government. <laughs> you know, in other words, this will become a shield for them, this freedom sure. of religion that they'll take advantage of. Sure. And that's what he told me. I mean, it was a well, and he was a very bright guy. I mean, this was nothing lightly thought out. This was, uh, you know, a long plan that, that make take 25, 30, how many years, you know, but it's working. Um, along with that, while you were uh, working on your machine there, uh, we talked about the election laws and right. what has made it. This was my point, and I want to hear your point, too, about state and federal. What has made it off of limits to say that the election beep took place is the idea that Private money, correct me if I got this wrong, private money could supplement public money in public elections by Zuckerberg buying absentee, giving the election officials money for absentee ballots, which can't be accounted for as well as we'd like. And so my understanding of what's happening, that Pelosi keeps coming out and saying, without giving the details, oh, we've expanded, the, we've uh, created better election laws. Why? Because they're less accountable. There's more elongated periods of time to vote, which leads to the possibility of less accountability, correct? That was my point. And then your point about the federal government getting involved with the state. Could you enhance that a little bit? Well, you know, she's absolutely right. They expanded the election laws and they can't do that. I mean, they're not supposed to do that. But yet we here's where we are. And if somebody wants to really research this, if they haven't done this already, look at the Zuckerbucks that went to either Wisconsin or Michigan, where an operative that was hired by Zuckerberg, his organization, I'm not going to say him personally, but the organization that put in the Zuckerbucks. I forget how many hundreds of millions or tens of millions of dollars went into this one county and the election official was elected. Here comes this operative out of the Zucker Bucks organization that pretty much took over the election in that district. And of course it heavily favored Biden and they were out there putting out ballots. They were mailing these things out. And when you read that, and it got so frustrating for this elected official, she quit or they quit. I can't remember if it was a man or a woman, but they quit. And this happened all around the country in those contested states. And, um, you know, there was no way that election was fair and um, um, not full of uh, nefarious things. I won't use that word because I don't want you to get removed. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, that's what's going on. And that's what the Republicans should be really focusing on right now. Yes, transgenderism, that argument, that debate is very critical. As I'm sure down to, 
UFOs are in the golf tournaments. <laughs> I'm sure that's real critical. But by God, our debt, our borders, China, and we better pay attention to education and do something drastically to get us back to the very basics. And we're not teaching the basics. We're not teaching people how to be um, 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 virtuous citizens of a constitutional republic. And if you're not, you're going to lose it. You know, Ted, I've, been, right in front of us. I've been looking at the, uh, <clears throat> the uh, curriculum for the African-American studies in K-12 right. here. Man, is that a great curriculum. That thing was put together by black scholars, you know. That's right. who put that together. And I looked at that. And I said, wow, this is a thorough, diverse, really diverse look, 360 degrees, at a very complicated situation that needs to be examined as a moving entity. It wasn't static. It didn't, you know, if you look just like fossil fuels, not static, you know. So this applies to this, this subject also. So why can't we have, here's where I'm going with this, Ted, a curriculum like that for the study of American government. You see what I'm, where I'm going? I mean, no, I think we that, need well, one for, huh? We don't we have, to have it. It's called civics. I mean, you, you learned about the three branches of government. You learned about the Constitution. You learned about that stuff. Uh, and I think it's great they're doing that with the blacks. I think they should do it with the Indian, the American Indians, with all cultures. You know, and I think they used to do that. You know, I know we didn't spend a lot of time on that when I was growing up, but we studied American history as it was portrayed back then. You know, things have changed. We talk about these things. And, you know, if people if people went back and under and read about how the Constitution came to be, and you've heard me talk about that book about James Madison, it's it's amazing the arguments they had on religion, on slavery on the role of the federal government, too strong of a federal government, too weak, too strong state governments, and how it took them over a year to negotiate all these moving parts. And it was one of those things, I don't think it could ever be repeated um, in history. All these moving parts came, the arguments, the people that, the players that were there came out with this document that I truly believe had divine intervention to come out to form this form of government. And the, the proof of the success of that, I mean, you can look around the world and see what it is. You know, you've heard me talk about how rare freedom is in the world. Um, you know, only about four and a half percent of the people that have ever lived on this planet have experienced freedom like we see today. And it's mainly come from the American Constitution and Declaration. And um, so to get back what you're saying, yeah, we should study government. We should study all these things of, of our history. Because if you forget it, you know the you know the saying: if you forget your history, you're doomed to repeat it. You know the other item I was thinking about as you were talking. I'm going to add to our list, um, uh, and you and I talked about it: leadership. And to me, let me give you a couple examples that we've talked about. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a professor, okay? That's what I've been doing. You with me? What was that? 
I said, I'm my training is as a professor. Okay. Right, right. My training is exactly what we're doing right now. This is a class. We're discussing it. We're trying to give all the information we can give them. They can make up their own mind, go apply it. We teach them how sure. to think about it. Okay. When I see a Kamala Harris, vice president of a country like this, come to a state uninvited, land in Jacksonville, and lie. I doubt she ever read the curriculum that we just referenced. Right. About the issue and the topic. It makes me, we wouldn't let her do that in the classroom. Let's put it that way. No. We would not let her be a teacher, Ted. If she came in a classroom and did, even the most liberal institutions would not be able to support that because all hell would break loose. You've got somebody in there running a political agenda at the expense of my kids learning to think. And that, when I see that, and that's what's going on with Biden. I'll be damned if he doesn't get there on his bully pulpit and reinforce it the next day with the Emmett Till monument. I got no problem with the Emmett Till deal, you know, but I do have a problem with him using that to lie to the American people. It's Joseph Goebbels. I mean, it's unbelievable. Long enough, big enough. I don't know. You know, for Kamala Harris, the neat thing was that that black scholar came out and (laughs) debunked everything she said. Basically, he said she's she's ignorant. Um, And and I applaud him. And I wish more people involved in the race debate, you know, speaking like that African um, or the, the black professor would come out and speak against these things. But, you know, you know what the fight is there. They're going to be labeled an Uncle Tom and, a, you know, just uh, living in the plantation. <clears throat> and somehow, I, and I think you're seeing a lot of the blacks that I talk to, they're fed up with it. And they're, they're willing to stand up. And we just need more of them. You know, the truth is the truth. It just we have to decide what the truth is. Um, and on their side. You know, I can't. I can't even begin to think that that what they're preaching. They, that I, I don't see how they can think it's truth, other than it is to move their agenda as a tool to use their move their agenda. And again, um, they're Marxists. There is no doubt in my mind when you listen to what they say. The gentleman. The gentleman's name is Doctor William Allen, and yeah, that's right. uh, he said, "Hey, listen, we're just allowing." The slaves themselves to tell their stories. He said that if she had read Frederick Douglass, his autobiography, he is the listen. Think about this. You don't think this wasn't one of the biggest gifts anybody can be given? The, The slaves were taught to read, taught to read. Now you think about that. Think about the irony of that today. How many yep. of these kids, black kids, can't read? You know, and that falls on the Democratic Party. You damn lost right 700,000 people, over 700,000 people in the Civil War. Um, when you look at that, that, a big part of that war was 
for um, the Emancipation Proclamation to free the slaves. Later in the war, that became the issue. And so 700,000 people have paid a price. Uh, there was a lot of discrimination, and most of that was coming out of the Southern South and the Democratic Party. And then you went through the civil rights struggle. You went through all these struggles. And, yes, there was suppression. And you and I have talked about that. We saw the white drinking fountains and the uh, black drinking fountains, the white entrance, black entrance in Florida when I came down here in the 60s. <clears throat> so there was racism. We have moved beyond that. And for the black leaders like your Jesse Jacksons and Al Sharptons to keep suppression on this group. So now they have, they have put people on the plantation and they don't want them to leave because they lose their legitimacy. But for, for a, a group of people in America that has not achieved and succeeded, you need to look at the people leading that party. And it's not suppression by white folks or, or, or the United States government. There was a point where that was, but we've grown beyond that. Anybody in the 21st century that can't read, you know, that's a breakdown of civil society and our education system and the democratic policies. And I think it was put very astutely, the democratic policies are there by Democrats to keep people, to give people what they want, to keep them where they're at. And there's, there's people from every ethnicity that become prey or victims of that. And they blame the system for them not achieving in America. That's why I love immigrants that come here and become very successful. They're not tainted with any of this. They see opportunity. They put work there and they're highly successful. You know, uh, Jason Riley, I, I, I don't know if you read him much or anything, but boy, he's the black writer for the Wall Street Journal. Right. Boy, is he good. And he is. He talks about how. Jesse Jackson turned the race issue into an industry. An industry. Oh yeah, turned it, it into is. an industry. Uh, that That's how he is, got his Budweiser distributorships. Yeah, yeah. He and his and, son. Yeah, and played that for all it's worth. And who suffered? The black folks suffered. They didn't black profit from that at all. And uh, all right, so. So then you take you take that and then they see how successful they being the people that want to bring down this country, the Saul Alinsky's, the Hillary Clinton's, the uh, Barack Obama's, uh, my my good my good colleague AOC and her her uh, her Marxist friends, and they and so they see how they can divide America around racial lines, minority lines, uh, uh, wealthy versus poor people. And they, they make people victims instead of empowering them to become successful. And I think that's a that's just a, I think that's a crime in itself. You know, they should be empowering people to get the most out of our system. That's there for anybody. In the article in the journal, I've dug it out of my midnight auto yard here. Um, Riley says that what the after King's death, what black America needed was a leadership that would focus on helping the black underclass develop the skills, attitudes, and behavior necessary to take full advantage of the rights King had secured. But he says what emerged instead was a leadership that shifted the focus on equal rights to racial favoritism and blamed all racial disparities primarily 
on racism. Right. What, they have to have a boogeyman. Yeah. And what that led to, this is my point about being able to read, led to a significant racial gap in academic achievement. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You know, the um, the Equal Rights Amendment and Affirmative Action were put in place. And, um, you know, you've heard me talk about Obama said it didn't go far enough. Affirmative action. He wanted to do away with it. And he goes, it didn't deal at all with reparations. And so don't think what the reparations argument is something new. They've been talking about that for a long time. But, um, you know, and it's in critical race theory or uh, black uh, uh, black theology. Um, black liberation theology, I think is what it's called. When you look at that. They talk about reparations, and, you know, that's that's something that will never be resolved. Um, you know, we can go back to Egypt and, and go back to the Jews and um, pre-Moses, and there were always slaves. So somebody owes me something, I'm sure. I want my reparations, but I really feel my reparations are being born in the United States of America. You know, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth because I was born in this country, the land of opportunity, and we took advantage of the system. You know, it's interesting. We're going to run out of time here again, Tim, but it's interesting that the press has chosen to take a side in this. And of course, Sam DeSantis as being a racist. This is all in preparation for helping Biden. Um, Whole nother issue for another show. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Sorry for the disruption again. You got a wonderful background there. Um, I don't think there could ever be a better background than that one. That's uh, pretty nice. Oh, yeah, that's very nice. And, uh, you know, that's the one next week will be good, too. That's a fourth price of mission right there. <laughs> but Tom would tell you, oh, my favorite. I just tried to add a little more color to you there. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, uh, you're getting a lot of well said here today and great show today and all that. Uh, we appreciate well, I just appreciate you having me on, you know, to kind of to vent a little bit and talk, you know, because I'm very passionate about my country as I know you are and your listeners. And, you know, we all need to come together and make America work, not as a Republican or Democrat, not as a conservative, liberal, white or black, but as Americans. And we can do that through stuff like this. That's why I was so disappointed in Harris and Biden uh, on on the issue we just talked about. But, uh, oh, well, that's the way it is. Leadership I added to our list. That was a good list we came up with today. We'll have to reference back to that. Uh, well, we've got to run along now, and I uh, hope you all have enjoyed our show. You may see it on about 37 different platforms. Either listen to it or see it uh, 24-7, 365. And it's archived in wardscottfiles.com and our library there of all of our shows. So uh, we try to keep that together. And uh, one of these days, I think a graduate student ought to come along and listen to some of those. And it would absolutely be a diary of America. There's no question about it. Have a great day, Ted. Have a great day, everybody. And Warthog Command Center out. Okay.